All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you, music team, um, especially for picking songs that were written in a year that starts with a one. So it brings back some nostalgia. Yep, that way to my right. How's that? Good? Okay, cool. I mean, I, I like to joke about the old songs all the time just because it reminds me of like when I was in college or songs that we sang when I was coming here in youth group. Um, but at the same time, it goes beyond just nostalgia because it shows us, or I remember how just those songs would have special meaning to me back then, and the same is true even now. And that, what that shows us is uh, just God's faithfulness over, over many, many years. So thank you, music team, for leading us into that time. Um, it was great. And as, as Peter was praying, um, uh, the song spoke of us bringing all of our cares and all of our concerns and laying them at Jesus' feet. Um, things that we've been through, things that we're worried about, and that will really go into what, we're, uh, what our main verse is for today. And so um, this verse uh, comes from what our 2022 church theme will be. Now, I recognize that today it is January 23rd, and usually we communicate our church theme uh, slightly earlier in the month of January, um, but uh, I don't know. Our church themes are kind of interesting. Does anyone remember what our church theme was for 2021? <laughs> Peter gave me great hope that he remembered, but he didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just, actually, I was pretty sure I remembered what it was, and then I just double-checked, like, right now as we were singing, and I realized I was remembering our 2020 theme and not our 2021 theme. So... I mean, that was, that was, that was uh, related to the year before. But last year's, last year's theme, which clearly all of us remembered, myself included, be prepared. Be prepared. Wow, Peter remembers. That's right, that's right, yeah. So this year's theme, this year's theme is very similar, um, and I think that's appropriate because while the start of 2021 was with us all completely on Zoom, waiting for uh, you know when we could go outside more, when vaccines might come, when we might feel more comfortable, uh, just seeing how we could adapt to a new way of life during the pandemic. There's a lot that's changed, and there's a lot that hasn't changed so much, right? And so this year, the theme that our church elders came up with is the theme, do not be anxious about anything. It's very similar to saying be prepared, but do not be anxious about anything. And I think that's a great theme. Um, why we are communicating this on January 23rd instead of like January 2nd, uh, I'm really excited about how this year's theme came into being. And if I could give you a little bit of the, just how the sausage is made for like church themes in, the, in, in previous times, Daniel and I would ask Rupert, what does God put on your heart? for the next year, and Rupert, our senior pastor, would pray about it, and God would always give him some direction for what our church theme would be, and that's always the way it was. Um, but this year it was a little different, and for good reason. Uh, as you know, we ordained two new elders in the month of November, and because we now have five elders for the first time in either ever or a really long time, I can't remember, um, the five of them wanted to spend some extra time talking and also praying together to see where is God leading us for this coming year. And hearing about how God spoke to them um, as they, this was not 
where they started in their thought process, but then as they talked and discussed, they shared with us in our last uh, leadership meeting, our last Watchman meeting, that this is the theme that they stumbled upon. And it's really based on Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which are familiar verses, and that'll be our passage for today. Many of you know it well. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think it's really appropriate because as weird as 2022 is starting off, um, I, if I were to ask you all this morning, what is the last anxious thought that you had? I'm guessing for many of us, we don't even have to go back to yesterday to find something that we're anxious about. There are so many things that cause anxiety in our lives. And I was an anxious person before the pandemic started. And if we think life has gotten any simpler since March of 2020, um, obviously we know there are many things that might cause anxiety in our hearts, in our minds, in our, in our worlds that are before us. And so hopefully, I, that's why I, I am really thankful not only that we have two new church elders um, that I really look up to, uh, Uncle Ray, Uncle Peter, um, thank, I'm thankful that they are leaders in our church and that, we, um, that they could uh, just help lead and guide our church in this way. Um, but I think it's such an appropriate theme. Um, a huge moment of anxiety for me leading up to Christmas uh, was, if you've been around me, you know that I am approaching double-digit visits to the dentist in the last three or four months. I've had all kinds of dental problems. I actually take care of my teeth a lot now, but I'm paying for all of the sugar I ate, all of the soda I drank in my 20s, and all of the ways that I wasn't so careful in taking care of my teeth. I am paying for it now. And so um, I knew that uh, there was some minor pain I was dealing with, but when we had our Vertigo White Elephant gift exchange the Wednesday before Christmas, like I was here, I was laughing, I was smiling because we were, it was, it was fun, we were having a great time. But if you noticed, I was drinking water like every like two minutes because that was the only thing that would relieve the like extreme pain. And so that was, that was the start of three days where it was just like me asking myself, is this pain ever gonna stop? And I had an appointment for uh, like uh, 10 days later to finally go and get it taken care of. Um, but that's during the pandemic, medical appointments are hard to schedule. Um, you might have to wait a while even if you're in a lot of pain the way I did and I thought and I remember praying to myself God how am I going to make it 10 days like will you just like and, and it was it was an immediate thing in that moment and I was just wondering God I can't this is so painful I've had a root canal maybe 10 years ago and I remember it being equally as painful back then but it had been a while and I thought oh my gosh this is I mean it just the anxiety of what am I going to eat for the next 10 days, like, because I can't, I feel like I can't eat anything. This is just one example of, I think, the many things that can cause stresses or anxieties upon our lives. I'll say more about uh, just my process later on. Um, but that was a huge moment of anxiety for me over the holidays. And so I, I am sure if I asked you all, you have moments of anxiety. Um, you might have multiple things you're anxious about right now. And so I think that's why this is such an appropriate theme for us. And I'm thankful that God has led it, laid it upon the hearts of our leaders to say this is what our theme is for this coming year. And really what I think the battle is, um, I think these verses, I think this is actually a very simple message. I don't think it's hard to understand. 
But I think the battle is, do we believe that God is with us in our anxiety? And will we follow the process that the Apostle Paul lays out for us? I don't think it is a hard process to grasp intellectually, but I think for us to put it into practice, it's much easier said than done. And that's why I'm really thankful for these words. And so um, I'm going to read them one more time, uh, just these two verses that we're going to focus on today, and then, um, and then we'll get into it. But the Apostle Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the many pieces of wisdom that we can find as we open our hearts and our minds to your word. And God, knowing that we live in a very anxious world, knowing that our individual lives can be filled with anxiety, God, I thank you for the wisdom that you have for us in this passage. And God, while I don't think it's hard for us to understand what is written here and what you are trying to say, God, I do know it is a challenge for us to know that you see us, that you care for us, and that you want to be with us in our anxious moments and how we can lay them at your feet and trust that you know where you are leading. And God, I pray that that would be something that we can put into practice this morning as we consider your words. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to see three things in this passage this morning, three simple things. Um, first, the first point is just simply the first several verses of, the fir- of verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. That is the official wording of our church theme, at least in English. I don't know how it is in Chinese, but that's, that is what will be printed on the front of our bulletins, at least, well, it's not printed anymore, it's all electronic, but that's the first thing. It's a very simple encouragement or exhortation that the Apostle Paul has. The second thing is to bring everything to God in prayer. We'll see that in the verse as well. And finally, we'll get to see what we can expect from that. And that is a transcendent peace. So really what the Apostle Paul is doing in these two verses, he's telling us what to do, not to be anxious, how to do it by bringing all of our requests to God and then sharing with us what we can expect Uh, that we can expect a peace that transcends all understanding. And so the first point, just the first couple words, do not be anxious about anything. That's a simple phrase, but if we think about like what that entails for our lives, I think that's actually very difficult. Because if we go through something that is worrying us, some kind of anxiety, have you ever had someone give you the advice? Just don't worry about it. And what's the first thing that you do? Like, don't worry about your grade that you're worried about, or don't worry about your job search. What is the first thing that happens when they say that? It usually just makes it worse in our minds, right? And so it's a very simple phrase, do not be anxious about anything, but it's actually really big words that the Apostle Paul has. Like, we could think of all the individual things we're anxious about, but he says, don't be anxious about anything, I would say, Apostle Paul, I can make a list of a lot of things that are outside of my control that really worry me and I'm really anxious about, and you're telling me not to be anxious about anything? Those are pretty big words. And now, my encouragement for us is that we can try to take this this exhortation at face value. 
I don't think we're going to see some of the context of Philippians that I'm waiting to bring up in, in for just a moment. And the context is important. But sometimes when Jesus in the Gospels, he's speaking metaphorically, or sometimes when Paul is laying out a giant theological argument, we have to do some digging to see what it means. Today, it's a very literal message. Don't be anxious about anything. That's the encouragement. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And our battle today is to try to take it at face value. Now, if you're like me and you might say, that is a really, that is a, it's a simple concept, but really hard to put into practice. We have to remember where the Apostle Paul is coming from as he's writing this. I love the book of Philippians. Um, when I was in college and we were going, the church that I was attending was going through a very tumultuous time. Um, there were a lot of church leadership changes. There were a lot of um, just, there were a lot of uh, uh, relationships between the church leadership that you could see that kind of publicly were not on good terms. And it was a very, um, it was a very rocky time for the church. And the pastor who was the interim pastor at the time, he decided we are going to look through, we are going to preach through the entire book of Philippians. It's only four chapters. But the point is that the focus is on the joy of serving God and sharing the gospel. And the important part of that comes from where the Apostle Paul is writing this. If you know the, if you know the Apostle Paul's story, he is writing this from prison in Rome. And that immediately should change our thoughts on when he says, do not be anxious about anything. If some random person comes up to me and like they're listening to my problems and they say, don't be anxious about anything, be like, well, what do you know? Like, you don't understand like my circumstances. You don't understand how hard it is. Like, and you're telling me not to be anxious. It's really hard. But this encouragement is coming from the Apostle Paul while he's in prison. He is not focused on what problems are going on in his life. He is writing this to the Philippian church to try to encourage them to experience the joy of sharing the gospel while they are living in freedom outside of captivity. And that's a pretty amazing thing when you consider his context. And so uh, the book of Philippians was written around 60 to 62-ish AD, and Paul had gone through quite a bit already. If you heard our message last week from Elder Rupert, our senior pastor last week, what an amazing encouragement and, and fantastic message about how we can trust in God's plan, that he has the final outcome under control, and that we might go through the, the jars of, he talks about the treasure we have into the jars of clay and all the things that we saw, how we are hard-pressed on many sides, and we go through all of this persecution, but our hope is still real. That was the message the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church relatively eight to 10 years before he is writing this. He has been through all kinds of struggles. He has been arrested. He has been beaten. He has been doing ministry for close to 20 years at this point. Now he finds himself in prison and he is saying, do not be anxious about anything. That kind of changes, that kind of changes how we understand his words. While it might be hard for us to say, it's hard not to be anxious and I grant that it is. If someone was saying this to you from prison to try to encourage you, I think that would change the way we might see the purpose of the message. And that is Paul's context. He has seen God be with him through very difficult circumstances before, and he wants to share that hope with other people. 
And so while it is hard not to be anxious, I don't think, I'm sure they had much different challenges in the first century AD than we have now, but I'm sure people's anxiety uh, was just as high, but in very different ways. And the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the believers in the Philippian church. It's not easy, but it's possible. And we might look at these words and say, don't be anxious. It's not possible. Like, let me tell you all of the things that I'm anxious about. But the Apostle Paul is trying to share with us. It's possible. And, and you can see that in the ways that he is writing this letter. Um, and in much of what he's written prior to chapter 4, um, where he talks in chapter 1, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What he is saying is no matter whether my earthly life continues or not, I have this joy in Christ. And that's the place that I'm coming from. And that's what he wants to share with others. Um, as our elders communicated this theme to us in our uh, leadership meeting a couple, about a week and a half ago, um, Greg shared a devotional about this passage with us. And um, I was really encouraged by it. Um, and if you talk to Greg, he will share with you ways where he, it's one thing to say this, but there are challenges that we have to put this into practice. And that's not for, for me to share, but Greg would, uh, it was just really great to hear the encouragement that he had with us. But I'm sure for someone who uh, was my youth group leader, who's been walking with God for many years, it was great to hear him instruct us in this way, but to also share there are ways how, as a parent, as a grandparent, there are many things to be anxious about, especially in the world of this pandemic that we live in, and how it's, it is a battle to live it out every day. And yet I was thankful for the encouragement that Greg shared with us um, as the elders communicated this theme to us. And just as the Apostle Paul, I think, is sharing with the Philippian church and saying, it's not easy, but this is possible. It is possible that we can live, that we can live life without being anxious. I think that was the message that Greg wanted to share with us as well. And so we might think it's not possible to, to live this out. And yet both from, from the Apostle Paul here in Scripture and then from Greg and from other believers who have been walking with God much longer than I have, um, for them to kind of demonstrate to me what it looks like to walk by faith and not to be anxious about things is a huge encouragement because it shows us that it's not easy, but it's possible. And so that's the first thing that we see. Know the background and the context that goes into this. And the Apostle Paul wants to share this message um, to the Philippian church, um, even from a place where his circumstances are very dire. He has no idea what the future holds for him. He doesn't know when he's going to get out of prison. And yet he wants to share this message of not being anxious with the Philippian church. So that's the first thing we see in verse 6. And that's only the first maybe one-third of verse 6. And that leads us to our second point this morning. So if that is the general encouragement, do not be anxious. Our natural question as human beings then is to say, okay, but how? Like, I get that we're not supposed to be anxious. I get that that's an encouragement that, that a disciple, a person of God like the Apostle Paul wants us to have. But how? How do we put it into practice? And a lot of times we think there's the general uh, encouragement that God gives us, but it's not specific enough. How? This verse is very specific. It's extremely specific. And we could take this at face value as well. How do we not be anxious? What does the Apostle Paul say next? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The second thing that we see in this passage 
is that the, the how, the way we can start to not be anxious is to bring our request to God in prayer. And so in the second half of verse 6, I want to unpack some of the key words that we see here. So he says, in everything, before he gets into the rest of the description. When he says the word everything, I don't think we're meant to try to find a metaphorical meaning in this. He's saying, any request that you have, take it to God. There is no request too big or too small to take to God. And that is wisdom for us that I think is really important. Now, the too big part, that is not a challenge for us. When we're in a moment of great anxiety, when there is something that's weighing upon our hearts where we're like, God, this is so painful or this is so confusing or I'm struggling with this, the too big is not a problem for us. That's when we cry out to God. That was me on December 23rd with the giant pain in my mouth saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it to my next appointment. And it did really lead me to actually like depend on God in prayer more than I might actually because of the giant pain that I was experiencing, right? The too big is not our problem. But when it says in everything, do we also consider the small ways that we can bring our request to God as well? And what I think this is saying is there is nothing too small for us. Nothing too small as far as a request that we can make to God. And the thing I love about that is if our God is a relational God, and he wants to hear our requests, not just the moments where we're in super big pain, but also in the moment by moment. I've, I recognize, um, I think I have grown in bringing my request to God when it's a big one. And when I said I had experienced a, uh, a very painful root canal 10 years ago, I was thinking back to it, now having experienced it again, and I remember all I could think about was the pain. I didn't think about God at all. I was like, oh my gosh, this is painful. I'm calling my dentist. When can I come in? It was a lot easier to get appointments back then because our world was normal. So that day I could go in. It was a very painful process, but in a couple of days I felt better, right? And when I look back on that, I don't remember thinking about God at all. And this time I was like, God, I need your help right now because I have no answer. And so it was easier for me to bring that to him. Now, what does it mean that there's no request too small? If it says in everything... I'm still trying to figure that out. I recognize that there are ways where I want to, where I, I can see, okay, God, I need your help in just, just like the most obvious ways. And I think what this passage encourages me to consider is what does it look like for tomorrow, Monday, January 24th, even if I'm not experiencing the, the pain that I was maybe a month ago, what does it look like to bring all of my requests to God not just the moments that cause the most anxiety, but all of my requests. Why? Because God, being a relational God, being our Heavenly Father, He wants to experience the moment by moment of life with us so that we might be more aware that He is with us, not just in the big ways and the moments where we think we need Him the most, but in the small ways as well. And I think that gives us some insight into what it says when He says, but in everything, present your requests to Him. So that, key, that word everything is an important word. Next, he says, by prayer and supplication. The word supplication uh, means asking God to supply our needs, right? Some of our versions, if you're reading this at home um, or if you have your Bible in front of you, I'm reading from the ESV where it uses the word supplication, but I remember hearing this verse often in the NIV where it says by prayer and petition, right? 
And the word petition, if that is synonymous with supplication, um, the word petition's an interesting word if you think about it. Like, what do you, what's the first thought that, that came to me for, came to mind for me when I was thinking about the word petition is when you're like in a public area and someone comes up with you, comes up to you wanting you to sign some kind of petition, right? And it's just like, I like look for those people holding clipboards so I can walk on the other side of the street because I don't want to hear whatever they want to present to me. But the one thing you have to give to anyone who is like fervent about getting a petition signed is this mindset that they are bold, they are shameless, they don't give up. And I think that gives us a good insight into the mindset that the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate when it comes to bringing our request to God. Do we bring all of our requests to God in the same way that someone trying to get that petition signed is shamelessly walking around a public place, even though they know people are going to be super annoyed by them in that, in that time and in that place, and yet it means enough to them that they would ask someone to sign that petition or to hear whatever the 30-second or sometimes even five-minute like spiel that they want to share with you? It's a good word to help us understand what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate to us. There is a fervency, there is a, um, there's just a motivation to want to share all of our requests with God that the Apostle Paul is communicating. Now, we might say, okay, like, Dan, you're saying not just the big ways, but the small ways, like, so maybe we need to do it more, that's fine. But there's a key word that comes next that I think is also really important. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And so that means God is not just a God who's like the genie in the magic lamp or Santa Claus who's meant to grant all our requests, but the posture, the attitude that we want to have as we're asking him is an attitude of thanksgiving. Are we thankful for all the other ways that he is providing for us, even though we might have very big requests on our hearts? And if we're not thankful for all the other ways that God is providing for us, what makes us think that we're going to be thankful when he does grant us the one request that we're looking for. And that's where the word thanksgiving is really important. And our attitude and how we bring these requests before him also matter for us to experience what it means not to be anxious. So these words, everything, supplication, and thanksgiving, they describe how we want to be diligent in bringing everything before God and asking and, and seeing how he might, uh, how he might answer our requests for help. And then it summarizes it by saying, let your requests be made known to God. So that's the how. We see, we see Paul's encouragement not to be anxious about anything, and lofty as that might be, he's, the, the thing I love about the way the Apostle Paul communicates this is he's not just telling you, don't be anxious, but he's showing us how to do it step by step in all these different ways, not just the big things that are on our minds, but in the small ways. And that's a way where we get to communicate with God so much more and, and for him to be able to hear all the requests that are on our hearts and, and to be able to do it with a thankful attitude. And so I love that because that means a lot of times someone might just say, like, if they're trying to encourage you, they might have good intentions, but they might say, don't worry about that test you're stressed out about. Don't worry about that job interview that you have but they probably haven't told you how to do it. Here, the Apostle Paul is saying, this is what to do. Don't be anxious about anything. And here's how. Bring all your requests before God, big and small, and do it with a thankful heart. 
Now, that might be hard if we're just taking it at face value, but if we remember the Apostle Paul's circumstances, it's amazing that he would say you can bring all your requests and you can still be thankful as he is writing this from prison in Rome to the Philippians. And one of the things that he does in all of his letters, even though the Apostle Paul has been through so many different hardships for the sake of the gospel, is there's always a section where he says, I thank God because of, and then he fills in the names of the brothers and sisters that have been connected with the ministry that he's been doing. And it's a way where I think we really get to see he is living out the words that he is exhorting others to experience, where he is thankful for the relationships that he has within the body of Christ even though he's in prison. It gives you a very different picture of why he can say, don't be anxious, and here's how. And so we've seen what his encouragement is, and we've also seen the how. Bring all our requests to God. And so the application for us then is is this. What are all our requests? Are we communicating them with God? What is on our minds and our hearts? What is stressing us out about tomorrow, Monday, January 24th. And I recognize in the moments where I was in great physical pain, saying, God, will you relieve this horrible pain that I feel in my teeth? Like, that is easy to bring before him. I want to learn how to bring not just the big moments of great pain, but the moments where I can also see, like, God, what does the next day look like? What requests do I need? How can I involve you in that? How can I lay them before you? with a thankful heart and attitude and see how you're going to be involved in it. And I can admit to you, that is something I am still, I I have had conversations with mentors in my life about wanting to do that and the putting it into practice is still very much a work in progress, but it's something that I'm excited to experience because that means not not only will I experience the ways that God answers in the big moments, but also in the moment by moment as well. And the power of bringing everything before God is that he does answer. He will answer. And there, there might not be ways where, and I would say, so like to tell the whole story, uh, like at this moment, I am experiencing less dental pain than I have, and I'm in a pretty good spot, but the process is not done. There's at least like two or three more appointments, uh, maybe more than that. It's, I don't know, it's a, it's a pain. I, it's, I've lost track after all this time. But here's what I've experienced. When I went through this 10 years ago, I shared with you, there was not a thought of God on my mind at all. It was just like, oh my gosh, the pain. Dr. Clark, I'm coming in. I don't care if you have an opening or not. Like, can you take the pain away? There was no thought of God at all. And this time, maybe because I couldn't get an appointment, it was, God, I need you right now. Like, can you relieve the pain? And after that night where I was here with many of you at the, at the White Elephant Gift Exchange where I was laughing and smiling along with the rest of you but just like holding in how much pain I was in, the next morning I woke up and the pain had left quite a bit. It didn't mean the problem wasn't there. It didn't mean I didn't have to be careful. It didn't mean I wouldn't experience pain at points between then and when I would go and go to the appointment. But what that taught me in that moment was like, you know what? God has answered my request. Like, in, after three days of severe pain, it was gone. And I could get through to the next appointment, uh, not pain-free, but he had relieved the pain. And what that did for me in that moment was it just encouraged me so much. Like, hey, wow, God really did hear my prayers. He hasn't answered them completely because I'm still eating the same, like, soft, like, room-temperature food that I've been eating for the last month and a half that I'm so sick of. 
But it's a way where I knew, okay, in that moment, he heard my prayers and he could calm the pain and I could be thankful in that moment that I wasn't experiencing the same thing. And what that teaches me is it's made me think, okay, how do I translate that kind of, pra- that kind of process that I experienced with God just because it was a great moment of pain? How do I translate that to other areas of my life? What does it look like for God to be in the gym with me when I'm in, bas- in basketball practice with the boys that I'm coaching? What is that like? I've asked that question and I've thought, okay, God, today I'm going to remember that you're here with me. And I don't think it's happened yet, but it's something that I'm hoping I'll remember tomorrow when I go into the gym. Because the reason for all this, I think, is just to see how God is with us moment by moment and bringing all of our requests to him. And I think that's such a powerful thing. Now, the last verse that we're going to look at, verse 7, that brings us to our final point. If the encouragement is don't be anxious about anything and bring all your requests to the Lord, we really need to be clear about what we are expecting when that happens. So don't be anxious about anything. Bring all your requests to God by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, and then he will grant you exactly what you prayed for. It's not what Philippians says. That might be what we think. We might think, okay, if I'm not anxious, if I bring all my requests to God, if I'm thankful, then he's going to give me exactly what I'm looking for. That's not what verse 7 tells us. But I would argue it actually gives us something way more important. It tells us what to expect. And that's our last point for this morning. So we've seen not that the encouragement is don't be anxious about anything. Bring everything to God in prayer. And what we can expect from that process is a peace that transcends all understanding. Nowhere does the apostle say you will get exactly what you prayed for. But he says, if you bring these requests before God, what does he say? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what God will do when we bring our requests before him. And if we are expecting that God will grant us our request just because we're not anxious and just because we're thankful, then we're still treating God like Santa Claus or like that genie in the magic lamp. But the Apostle Paul is laying out what I think is a very simple practice. I'm not saying it's simple for us to, to believe in it, but that's the challenge for us is to take what we see here in these two verses at face value and to see how it can be true that we can experience this transcendent peace when we bring all of our requests, big and small, and lay them at our feet. The promise that's here is that peace will guard our hearts. We aren't promised that our earthly circumstances will change. And that's where, one more time, it's important to remember the context for where Paul is writing this from. Paul is in prison. He's not saying, I'm so stressed out to get out of this prison. God, can you get me out of this prison? And that's the only thing that he's focused on. But rather his attitude is, whether I am in prison or not, I have a peace that transcends all understanding. And the only reason the Apostle Paul could have this peace is because of the relationship that he had with God. And in that moment, his heart is guarded. He's been arrested before. He's been beaten before. His life has been in danger before. He's gone through all of these things. And he said, and whether he gets out of prison or not is irrelevant to him. 
But he says, I've, but it's a way where he is modeling for us that he has brought his circumstances before God and he's at peace with the outcome because he has this peace that comes from God. I think it's a very simple message, harder for us to put into practice, but it's a simple message conceptually. And the application, which I don't think is that easy for us, but I think it's worth believing in this morning, is to say whether I get the grade I want or not, whether I get the job that I want or not, whether I get into the school that I so desperately want to get into or not, can I bring all of these requests and say, God, I really, really want this. You know that I want this. Can you make this happen for me? There's nothing wrong with praying that prayer. In fact, I would say that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Philippians to do. Bring all your requests in everything. Lay them at God's feet. But will we, but will we seek this transcendent peace more than, the, the, more than God answering the request that we want um, in the way where he might be just our version of Santa Claus, our version of genie, the genie in a magic lamp? Do we want the same peace that we see here in the Apostle Paul's life? And if we do, how do we get it? Don't be anxious. Bring your request to God and see how our hearts will be guarded. And there's two words at the very end of verse 7 that I want to end with. Because he says, when you do this, when you are not anxious, when you bring all of your requests, big and small, and you lay them at the feet of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. A great promise. And how does it end? In Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is an incredible example of living out what he's saying here. He has every reason to be anxious from an earthly perspective because he's in prison, and yet he is not even thinking about himself. He's thinking about how to encourage the brothers and sisters in Philippi, how to be fervent for the gospel. He's a great example of showing how this, these words that he's writing are possible. When Greg shared this passage with us um, in our Watchman meeting, it was another way where I could say someone who's been walking with God for many more years than I have it's a way where I can see these might be challenging words, but I can believe that they're possible. Why? Because I've seen other mentors and other leaders in my life live them out. Paul has learned what it means to be in full surrender to God. And I think Greg and the other elders in our church, uh, the leaders, um, I think they have lived this out and experienced this in their own ways. And that's why God put this theme on their hearts. But what I think the Apostle Paul would tell you I don't know him personally, so I don't know, but I, what I, if I had to guess, and what I know Greg would tell you, because I know Greg, and I see him, and I talk to him, what they would both tell you is what they've been through, the example of living this out, pales in comparison to the example that we have in Jesus Christ, depending on the strength of his heavenly Father in his moments of need. If I could think of all the ways and uh, in all the challenges that I've had, and they're, they're I, and certainly in the most painful moments of my life, I could say it's hard not to be anxious. I can't imagine what it must have been like when Jesus was about to go to the cross. And in this same book, we see one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture that's relatively familiar to us. But when Paul says, the peace of God will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus, Look at the life of Jesus that the Apostle Paul has already written about just two chapters before. And we see this in chapter 2, starting in verse 5. 
a beautiful picture of what Jesus did as he went to the cross. And the Apostle Paul writes this, chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every, every, every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul had learned what it meant to be in full surrender to God as he's writing this from prison. And what he, where he had learned it from was Jesus, the Son of God. Though he was the Son of God, was willing to submit to God's timing and plan for his life to lay it down and say, and in the moments where we read in the Gospels where it was painful for him, where there was the temptation for Jesus not to want to go through with it, he could say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he went to the cross. And he, gave, he humbly gave his life for ours. And that's an incredible example that we see in Jesus, the Savior, the one where it says, in Christ Jesus, he, the one who has demonstrated this to the most perfect ways, not to worry about his own circumstances, but to allow the peace of God to be with him, can be a wonderful example for us. And so as we live this theme out as a church this year, can we not be anxious? How? Bring everything to God. Lay it all down at his feet, big and small. Not just the moments, not just the big questions that we have in our minds, but moment by moment, say, God, well, I be th- can I be thankful for the food you provided for me, for the lunch I'm about to eat here, Sunday, in like 30 minutes or an hour, whenever we're going to eat? Can we, be th- can we have this posture of thanksgiving? And can we see how that will lead us to experience this peace that transcends all understanding? We don't know what the year 2022 will hold especially in the first couple weeks. Like, we've already seen, if we had any hope that it was going to go back to normal, we just have to depend moment up by moment because none of us knows what the future is going to hold. And that's why I'm so thankful that this is our theme for this year, that God has placed upon the hearts of our elders. Do not be anxious about anything. I know much easier said than done. But we have the wonderful example of the Apostle Paul. We have the wonderful examples of brothers and sisters in our lives who can demonstrate for us what it means not to be anxious. And we have the ultimate example of Jesus Christ, not being anxious about what would happen to his own life, but dying on the cross so that we might be forgiven, so that we might know the love of a heavenly father. And that is why we can go into this year and say, I don't have to be anxious about anything. And I pray that as we experience that together in all kinds of ways, that we will see how faithful our God is to us in this year. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, I, I recognize that there are so many ways, God, that we are tempted to be, uh, we are tempted to be feel, filled with anxiety. And so, Lord, that's why I thank you for your word, that you encourage us, God, not to be anxious, but to bring our request to you and to experience your peace, peace that transcends all understanding. God, we don't know what the future holds, but we know that you do. And God, so we know that we can trust you. 
God, hard as it might be for us to lay down just control of our own lives and all of the things that weigh, our, weigh heavily upon our hearts, Lord, I pray, God, that we would put these words into practice and that we would experience this peace that transcends all understanding. God, for anyone in this room this morning who's just extremely anxious about the things going on in this world, Lord, I know these words, though they are simple concepts, are hard to believe and hard to put into practice. And so, God, that's why I just pray for an extra measure of your grace and your mercy to us this morning. If we are having trouble surrendering control of our lives, God, would you be gracious with us this morning? Would we learn what it looks like to bring all of our requests before you? And God, would we trust and see how though your timing often is not our timing, God, would we see how you have our best interest in mind? God, we thank you for the example of Jesus that though it was far beyond the best interest of him in his own human life to go to the cross, he was obedient and humbled himself to death on the cross so that we might know you, so that we might have this hope. And Lord, because of this incredible example, I pray that the peace that transcends all understanding would be with us and would guard our hearts this morning. So God, as we sing these last songs to you, Lord, I pray that it would put us at peace that it would remind us of the truth that you are with us and that you love us. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time we have to gather together before it. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.